in theory, the position is that the European Banking Authority still has a cliff edge deadline of 31st of December 2020. In the UK, the Financial Conduct Authority is still maintaining its date of 14th of March 2021, although at least the FCA is putting out some pretty sensible indicators that they recognise the impact that COVID might have. So um, I think there's uh, at least an acknowledgement that things may get delayed. When it comes to the more specific status of, of where things are at, the UK, France, Netherlands and Denmark seem to have fairly coherent programs to drive things through within a reasonable time frame at some stage through the tail end of this year and into next year. Uh, the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK's program is by far the most advanced and comprehensive. And so I think that should give us some confidence that at least the industry is taking it seriously and that everybody's got their oppor- the opportunity to participate and do what they can. How much of what the industry is doing, needs to do, is being derailed by the pandemic? I think derailed is probably quite a good word. When it comes to the priorities that each stakeholder group in the ecosystem has, then banks are clearly distracted, and rightly so, with what they have to do to support businesses and the general citizen consumer in staying alive financially, whether that's processing government loans and grants or just making sure that the fraudster doesn't use this crisis to to come in and disrupt the basic resilience of the system. When you look at acquirers and payment processors, again, they are uh, looking to try and make sure that merchant businesses are able to survive. Payment gateways have got a really crucial role. And even before the the crisis emerged, we had identified that payment gateways were uh, right on the critical path in terms of resources and timeline in making a success of the strong customer authentication program. And then, of course, the merchant and consumer ends of things. Well, so many merchant businesses are closed, whether it's high street retail, airlines, hotels, food and beverage bars. Many, many areas are are just uh, not open for business. Now, the payments folks and financial folks within those businesses are still operating. And in fact, in Vendorcom, we're seeing a lot of our payments forums being very well populated by those folks who are urgently needing updates on information. But the status and the the programs are being quite significantly disrupted. There's also an issue, is there not, with actually straightforward communications technology that some people in specifically, for example, rural communities are going to have problems with SCA. That is actually one of my pet subjects. We have a lot of discussion about more complicated factors and and so what is the the second factor going to be in the two-factor authentication. I keep continually bringing the subject back to, well, what's the first factor? Because if the first factor is going to be something like a one-time passcode by SMS, well then 
someone like me who is only 10 miles north of Oxford, so hardly in the badlands and the, the backwaters, we have to go out of our village to do e-commerce. And so I only partially joke about the fact that we might be setting up SMS cafes in the way we used to have internet cafes to do e-commerce if banks persist with the quite lazy way of doing that initial authentication by using SMS as the vehicle to provide a one-time passcode. We've got to find alternatives and we've got to make sure that this is inclusive because the alternative in some ways is to go to a smartphone digitized format to be able to do some form of biometrics and, and even some form of behavioral biometric. But again, it's not inclusive. We've got 79% of the UK population, adult population with smartphones, but actually less than 50% of those are using banking apps. When you look at what payment capability is attached to that, then you're down into very low percentages. So it's, it is very interesting when you start to compound the different areas that any one group needs to be ready on. And so, again, we could look at the banks and say, actually, by June, they will be 90% ready. But when you look at the merchants and perhaps being 20% ready, well, actually, that's a multiplier. So actually, 90% of 20% is 17, 18%. When you then say, well, look, the payment gateways are there, you start to end up in very low single figures of percentage readiness because it's not just about any one stakeholder group within the ecosystem being ready. Uh, this is a network effect. And if the whole ecosystem doesn't work together, the system doesn't work at all. Uh, and this is where, again, I come back to the my main bone of contention on this one is that to have a banking authority determine what happens in the payment ecosystem is a bit unrealistic because they tend to look at things from the relative simplicity of banking as a source of funds and as a source of transactions, not as a highly complex payment ecosystem with all sorts of nuances, uh, whether geographically or by customer demographic or by payment channel. It adds incredible complexity that just hasn't been addressed and still continues not to be fully addressed by most of the programs. And again, I'm pleased to say that the UK Finance FCA program in the UK has recognised the challenges for the grocery retail, uh, for hotels and travel. And, and I think that will bring some success. But again, we're talking at a time where certainly each of those sectors, grocery, because they are now part of the national critical infrastructure, there's not going to be much change happen there. And airline, hotel and travel aren't going to be making many changes because there's not much that's actually operational. There is also, of course, one other segment that you didn't mention when you were talking about levels of readiness there and that is the consumer the actual customer there's got to be some kind of major push to get people to understand what's coming i agree and back this time last year when i was making the point very strongly and i think quite clearly about the fact that the 14th of september 
2019 was never going to be a valid date to aim at, then there were several key things that needed to be put in place in terms of a program to to bring it to fruition. And and that was a, a technical working group, an operational working group, and a comms working group. And that was very analogous to the chip and pin rollout in 2003-4-5. But I was also then making the point that uh, we also needed a regulatory working group to drive things through. Because unlike the good old days of chip and pin, and when we were in the middle of it, it didn't feel that way. But looking back and comparing it with SCA, it certainly feels like the good old days. We had the luxury of the fact that EMVCO as the uh, well, not as a regulator, but as certainly as a standards body, had defined the protocols. And in fact, the protocols had been defined for seven years and locked down. Uh, then we were, but for this one, we still actually even now don't have a locked down set of regulatory requirements. And so national competent authorities are making it up as they go along to try and best respond to uh, what the EBA's latest pronouncement is, and actually in public terms, their latest public pronouncement was on the 16th of October last year, which again is hopeless. So coming back to the main question you raised, how do we communicate to the citizen consumer? We've got a real problem there because there's two levels of communication that need to happen. One is to the business community about how things are going to progress through each stage of the fairly vertically integrated hierarchy of payment processing. So that's one area of communication. In terms of the communication to the citizen consumer, that's a twofold communication even there. One to the citizen consumer as a bank customer in their cardholder guise, what is going to happen? What's the expectation in terms of authentication? And then there's the communication to them as a merchant customer, because again, that's different because that will vary by merchant. And so it's a really complex thing. And at this stage, the communications are unclear and actually, I'm not really creating, I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm not blaming anybody on that communication, because actually at this stage, we don't have anything to communicate that is clear, concise, and easily implementable. And that, I think, first and foremost, is a result of the fact that regulators think in terms of competition and choice being their main driver. Whereas actually, when you're putting out a major infrastructure change as this is, there needs to be a core foundation that is ubiquitous and it is common across all situations, all processing, all merchant experiences and all consumer experiences. And only then, on that baseline, have you got something that you can clearly communicate. Now, it's not that I'm against competition, I'm all for competition, but only competition on top of core, resilient, internationally interoperable, ubiquitous, baseline, foundational solution. So fill your boots with your competition and your choice, but only once you've been collaborative in delivering 
what the ecosystem as a whole requires. Now, that's anathema to regulators, but until they recognize that that's the only way forward, we're going to be in this muddle for as long as I can possibly see. I have to wonder how realistic even the reset timetable is. Are we really going to have this all in place by the end of the year? I'll be very clear in terms of my opinion on this, and I'm, I'm not speaking in in reflection of my roles with either the UK Finance Steering Group or sitting on the FCA's monitoring forum, but my own personal opinion based on the intelligence that I gain across the wide perspective that we have in Vendorcom is that there is no chance of the EBA cliff edge of 31st of December being hit. There is still a moderate chance of us being well down the, the, the line by March next year, but actually applying any single date would be the wrong way forward. And one of the things that I know that there are some discussions on is to whether there is a relative time scale based on a start point of the lifting of lockdown in an individual country or more realistically across Europe so that we can say it's therefore X number of months beyond the lifting of lockdown that this is a sensible consideration. And there are lots of discussions going on on that. But you're right, the, because we are actually approaching this from the wrong basis, and again, I'm not really pointing the finger at, at the banking community here because uh, they have got to collaborate on this, but they will be the first to get it in the neck from the regulator if they start to collaborate too strongly on single baseline solutions because folks will come out of the woodwork saying, oh, well, that's collusion. We don't want it done that way. But actually, I think the regulator needs to be a lot more progressive and visionary to say, well, actually, um, we are going to regulate this collaborative environment quite rigorously, but we actually will be proscribing competition because competition is in the least interest of the market for on this particular area. And that will then alone give banks the permission to collaborate and actually start to achieve the, the synergies that will be necessary to drive this forward. But I'm not holding my breath on that one.